Paul begins to do. Paul begins to lay out some real deep things that we plan to cover today about the marriage union. First, six in, six in number, the analogy of the marriage union, and I, and I want to say this, that the, the marriage union is attached to the mystery of Christ and the church. Now, there's a corporate and there's an individual or relational aspect to this. Listen to this metaphor. Christ is the head and the church is the body. That is organic, right? Yeah, that too many of us are living as if Christ in our lives are brain dead. Mm -hmm. The heart is still beating, but there is no instruction from the, from the brain. We're living, we're comatose when it comes to God's will. Sad. The other metaphor is that we are the future bride and Christ is the bridegroom. I say future because the marriage supper of the Lamb happens later on. Revelation chapter 5, when we all get to heaven, we'll have the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will be married to Jesus Christ, who is the groom. Are you getting this? The three metaphors of Christ to the church is bodybuilding and bride. We are the body, we are the building, we are the bride. Are you getting this? So one of the things that we begin to see is this analogy is interesting, and it, it, it begins, and I want to go back to verse 21. Take it slowly. Verse 22, wives, submit yourselves, hupotasso, to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, we got to be careful because the submission of the wife is not the man's command. The submission of the wife is a voluntary willingness on the wife's part because she fears God to submit to her husband. Lord have mercy. Mike's just laughing. Is there women up there? Is there any women up there? I thought voluntary would help. Submission is not a command of the man. It says, and do it as if you're doing it to the Lord. Yeah. Well, my husband's no good. God did not include that. He's a scoundrel. He not, God didn't include that. And then, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ, here's the mysterious relationship, is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, 
so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. And then, verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, we begin now to put the puzzle together. This mysterious relationship, this analogy of scripture is about two things, subjection and love. Subjection on the part of the wife, she's not a slave, she's, she's not somebody that's being bossed around, she is someone that is so carried away with the ministry of her husband that she willingly and obediently wants to submit. I, I can hear some of y'all singing. I can hear you singing them songs. You don't know like I know what that woman has done to me. See, this is why you need to be filled. And this is why you need the Holy Ghost. Can I get a witness? Because some of our mates are hard to get along with. Some of our mates are hard to get used to. Some of our mates are not saved or are they filled with the Spirit. And the Bible tells the first Peter, you need to pray for your mate that they will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Isn't that right? Now don't get quiet on me because I want to earmark this thing of subjection and love and if you looked at verse 21, we ought to be submitted one to another. See, listen, what God is asking you to do in marriage, you should have already been doing in ministry. You should have already been submitted to the pastor. Before you got a husband, you should have already been submitted, amen, to your boss on a job before you got a wife. But here's, here's what we pull out of this. First, he, Christ, loved the church sacrificially. Husbands, you ought to love your wives until it costs you something. She's not an afterthought. She is your priority for you to sacrificially love her. Sacrifice. Jesus' sacrifice was on the cross, right? And you can't love sacrificially if you're selfish can't do it. If everything's me, myself, and I, forget it. It's not working. I, year, year, years ago, when I did all the counseling in the church, I, 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 I used to tell women the trick 
the key to getting anything they want out of their husbands. So I, I had a class on whatever you want out of your husband, come to this class. I'll teach you how to do it. <laughs> class was packed. <laughs> and I said, here's the key to a man's heart. Whatever he asks you to do, do it. Because some men have the Adam block. They just need to know that they are the man. So in your obedience, when you keep doing what they want to do, you show them how foolish they are. They are, uh, 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 excuse me, uh, uh, listen, uh, what do you want? Uh, nothing. Yes, you do. What do you want? You need a new car? I'll, I'll get the car. Go pick it up. Because, see, they so dumbfounded <laughs> that you're not fighting them when you stop fighting them and just kindly give in. Now, give in to the right things. Kindly give in. They will give what you don't ask for because they saw their mother fight their father. So historically, what's inside of them, Lord have mercy, is a wall about you fighting them. Let me, let me give this the, the smallest denomination. They're crazy. I'm the man here. Look, I'm the man of this house. Well, whoever questioned that? I wear the pants around here. Well, I never, I never asked you to wear a dress. <laughs> men are very insecure in themselves. A lot of men are very, very insecure in themselves. I ain't get one amen from a man. That's all right. Come back to you in a minute. But check it out. He, he sacrificially loves her. Secondly, he loves her steadfastly. That means I love my wife continuously regardless of what she said, what she did. I love her beyond her faults. The ministers won't say amen, so I'm asking, I'm asking the ladies to say amen. How does Christ love us steadfastly? If I make a mistake, does that stop his love? No. If I blow it, does that stop his love? No. Love them steadfastly. And then third, love them serving them. How do you serve your wife? I mean serve. Expecting nothing in return. There's some things I do in my marriage strictly to offset and alleviate my wife. 
strictly. Okay, and been doing it for years. It's not a thing. It's my way of saying I appreciate what you're doing and here, let me help. Let me serve you. In my, in my situation, I cook. I, uh, in 26 years of marriage, my wife don't have to cook. I cook. I cook. I cook. Go on and shout. Amen. And, 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 uh, Delilah was out here because this morning I said I cook better than her, but she was out here. She said, I heard what you said, but my wife's in the photography. I sent her away to Utah. I, go. Go. Have a good time. I'm trying to show my appreciation and serve. Amen? Serve. Now, when I'm angry with her, do the pots continue to... I still cook. Y'all ain't getting this. I don't go on strike. I'm on union wages. I don't, I don't go on strike. I continue to serve. I just don't say, baby, come on, dinner's ready. I say, is that husbands, we've got to learn to serve and stop demanding to be served. In John 13, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, he said, I'm leaving you an example of service. Of service. Of service. How do you serve your wife, husbands? Hmm. Fourth, he loved them, sanctifying them, putting them in a position of cleansing, growth, grace. And then he loved them by submitting, even by the husband. Husbands, how do you submit to your wives? Their ideas, their insights. Can I get a witness? Um, when they want to do something, is it always your way or the highway? Is there a discussion? Is there a negotiation? And, 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 and see, we got to be taught this and then support. Husbands ought to physically, emotionally, psychologically support their wives. This is how Christ loved the church. Can I get a witness? And, and, and so, once I'm able, under the power of the Holy Spirit, listen, to initiate this unity, harmony, love, and victory, then what typically comes back is cooperation. All right. Are you getting this? I can hear you again. You don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. I understand. And it's not easy. That's why we got to be under the power of the Holy Spirit. 
that when you look at this analogy, it leads secondly to the acceptance within the marriage bond, chapter 5, verse 528. Come on, come on. So men ought to love their wives as their own what? Bodies. Look at your Bible. He that loveth his wife loveth what? Your, your love for your wife is indicative of your love for yourself. So if you don't love her, you don't love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you got major problems. Can I get a witness? That, that, that this acceptance has to do with God's program, the person, the process. It has to do, listen, with the blessings she's bringing and the baggage. That's why I don't get a wedding mixed up with a marriage. Two different things. The wedding is a public display. Everybody's smiling. Everybody's dressed up. Everybody's happy. That's not a marriage. That's a wedding. And you got two hours to get out of the hall, three hours to get out of that tub. You, and in other words, when you move to the actual marriage, we get hit with a ton of bricks. I had known you was like this. <laughs> Look, the blessings and the baggage. Are y'all praying with me? The history and the habits. Are you praying with me? I, I grew up in a very touchy house. And, and uh, when we sat down to eat dinner, that's when family used to eat dinner together. You couldn't come to my mother's table sniffing like... First thing, go blow your nose. Yeah. <laughs> so believe it or not, I'm very sensitive when I'm eating. When I'm eating and somebody, <laughs> somebody says, <laughs> and whatever you do, I'm eating, you better not belch over my plate. And please don't let no air come out the end. I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't go there. Now, I, no, no, I've seen people do all that and just laugh. I wouldn't raise that way. Can't do it. I can't do it. We'll turn a prayer meeting into a bear meeting. I can't. I, I just can't do that, man. I can't do it. So we got some habits. Don't we have some habits? And you get married, you start learning about the habits that person's bringing and, and the baggage. Come on now. You know we're bringing some baggage, right? Yeah. Leave that one alone. But this acceptance is talking about a total approval of the other person. Some of us never reach that. Well, I like this in my husband, but. Yeah, you know, and we, we all are not going, no one is going to marry anybody that has everything. Isn't that right? Come on, y'all talk back to me. But you cannot get in front of your mate and give them the impression that you don't accept them. Amen. That's right. That's right. Can't do that. 
Why? Because we spiritually are accepted in the beloved. Jesus has accepted us totally just as we are. Ah! 528 says, and then we move to 529, for no man yet ever hated his own flesh, but, and here's the twins, nourish and cherish. You're going to find out that those twins are not easy. When you nourish, when you nourish somebody, you're impacting their growth. Amen? When you cherish them, you're giving them approval of their person. Mothers are very nourishing to their children. They, they, they just automatic, they, they're nourishing. But we don't nourish one another. We, don't, we really don't compliment one another as we ought. We really don't appreciate one another as we ought. And we really don't accept one another as we ought. It's... We are faster to tear down than we are to build up. We'll point out what they don't do right, but we won't accentuate what they do right. All that's part of this union. It's all part of the union. It's all part of us being aware, amen, of this acceptance clause. Hallelujah. It's been my, um, it's been my experience in life that the more readily you accept people, the more they do to please you. And I play sports all my life. If a guy on the team wasn't that good and you just encouraged him, keep it up, man. Yeah. That person gravitated to you. Isn't it, isn't it more blessed to um, compliment somebody or find what they do well and accentuate that? I really appreciate how you, whatever. Stay there. Don't keep pointing out the negatives. And 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 and, and uh, in a relationship, and it, and it's, and listen, some of it is difficult for me because by by personality I'm functional, not relational. That means my personality is more driven towards getting the job done, making sure it's done right, da 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 da, da than 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 relational nurturing. Are you are you with me? Yeah. Then then even I mean even with my kids when you know when they were growing up. I'm more caught up in the end product. All right, come on, man. Get your homework done so you... Well, it's hard. Yeah, well, life is hard. Come on, get it done. How many of y'all like me? I mean, you know. You, you are... Fun Ain't nobody like me now, right? <laughs> you are functional, and some of us struggle with relational nurturing. I had to learn how to be relational. Are you getting this? Now this is deep. This and this is a this this is this 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 is this is God 
in me disclosing this. You understand? And, and, and so, and some of us are strictly relational and we never get nothing done because we ain't functional. So, so there's opposite sides of the coin. All right? You love everybody and everybody love you, but you ain't going nowhere. You can't cut the light out. You ain't get nothing done because you, you're in the aisle hugging everybody. No, get to the light. Hug them, but get to the light. Cut the light out. And balance is hard in life, isn't it? In balance hard. Yeah, balance is very, very difficult in life. So one of the things that, that we have in this matter of Paul's letter is this matter of third, the administration of marriage, that the Bible says marriage is a mandate. Mandate for what? For any intimate relationship. It's the only relationship God recognizes. Marriage. Years ago, I came and God said, older guy said, Pastor, I want to introduce you to my madame. I said, what in the heck is a madame? What, 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 what is that? Is it your wife? I was serious. It's a mandate. If you're going to be intimate with the opposite sex, and it is the opposite sex, we'll get to that. The intimacy is only recognized by a holy God in the context of marriage. Not boyfriend and girlfriend, not living arrangement, not social security benefits. Because we got old folk that are shacking and using social security as the reason why they are together. We get more on our check. I, I even had a brother come to me and say, man, I hear you preach, and, and I appreciate the word, but man, I, I sleep on the couch. been sleeping on the couch 10 years. I don't even go upstairs. I said, man, get out of my face. <laughs> These church folks. Getting quiet again. It's a mandate, but it's also a ministry of care, concentration, comfort, commitment, which is a curse word today. Commitment. Consecration. It's a maturation. You grow together. You grow in grace. You grow in giving. You grow in governing the relationship. Yeah. It's a mechanism for having children. At least it used to be a mechanism for having children. Mm. And it's a miracle because we leave and cleave and we are joined together as one. Paul is hitting all cylinders. Now, when you go home and read 2 Peter, 2 Timothy, when you go home and read those prophetical uh, or the, should I say, um, those Pauline epistles, which many of them deal with living, we call them living epistles, you'll understand that there is a degradation going on in society because we're getting close to the end. As in the days of Noah, as in the days of Sodom, 
and, and it's repeated in many of the letters in the New Testament that people no longer will have absolutes in their lives like God. Their ethics will be situational. Situational ethics is my ethic is predicated on my situation. Are you getting this? And, and so because we don't preach absolutes anymore, and because we don't raise our children to have absolutes anymore, they are living in a society with a changing paradigm. Whatever goes. Yeah. Parents want to be their kids' friends and not their parents. There, there ought to be space between you and your children. I don't care how old I got. I could not call my mother by her first name. It was mommy. Do I have a witness? Are y'all praying with me? I didn't get high together with my parents. I didn't go out to parties together with my parents. There was space. And the space was for respect. And when that child started to get out of line, then as a parent, see, you can't be a parent and a friend. I, I, I know you think you can be. Parents want to try to be hip to their, you know, yeah, yeah, but you, know, you can't. No, 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 no. That, that's not God's blueprint for you to be hip. You've got to keep a line of respect. I'm the mother and you're the son. I'm the father and you're the daughter. Can I get a witness? I'm preaching up in this place. Y'all don't want to hear it. But that's why society is crazy. I, I can hear my mother now. Get out of here. Ain't nobody hear your age. Remember that? When you got all up in their face. Child is seen, not heard. I was telling Reverend Green this morning, he's talking about his father. I laughed. He, he's, he's, Reverend Green can tell it better. He said he went to his father when he was 17, 18. He said, Dad, you got too many rules in the house. It's time for me to go. He said his father said, you look better from the back than you do from the front. <laughs> he said, you look better going than coming. Don't you just love that generation? Oh, I love it. Lord have mercy. But, but what Paul begins to do is not only lay out this paradigm, but he goes back to 1 Corinthians 7 and deals with the answer, turn to your left, to this marriage union. Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, turn to your neighbor and say, he's answering the question. It is good for a man not to touch a what? The word touch is a euphemism for sexual intercourse. Good for a man not to have sexual intercourse with a woman. 
He doesn't stop there. He's talking about outside of marriage. Nevertheless, now remember, he's dealing with a disgraced, divided church that's living in filth. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Let me stop. You do not marry just for sex. Marriage is much greater than just sex. Now I'm pausing purposely because things are going to quickly change. As you get older, your teeth will start shifting. You're going to have to go get fitted. Oh, you're going to get fitted. Your hair will start to get thin, come out. Start to have an inflated tire. Keep living. That people who are foolish enough to just get married to have sex are in for a rude awakening. Because we discover that sex is a minute part of all the other things involved in marriage. In fact, sometimes all the other things determines whether you're going to have sex. blowing up. Somebody got to say it now. I mean, you done, you done argued all day now. You go to, you know, you go in the bedroom early and you expecting somebody to come out with a cape, a pair of boots. No, you didn't talk all day. I, I'm, 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 trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put this thing together. And then some of y'all men are treating your wives the right way for the wrong reasons. So you get up and figure, I'm going to treat her all right all day. And then she says, no, I got a headache. And then you say, see, that stuff don't work. So the fact of the matter is, and let every woman have her own. Her own. Her own. Husband. Now, now, here's what Paul does in this context of inappropriate sexual, and, and he's not just dealing with, look, he's dealing with fornication, adultery, homosexuality, polygamy, and a word called concubinage where people had concubines. Yeah. And Paul is saying that after all these problems, maybe it's better to remain single than to go through a vicissitude of problems that you are not ready for. Yeah. 
And, 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 and so contextually, amen, the touch is again a euphemism, but he moves from the answers down to the affection, 7-3. Let the husband render unto the wife due. What's due is, a, hey, look, what's due is the expectation and benevolence is love. So there is a, an expectation on your partner's part for love. And he says, let the husband, my God, do right by this due benevolence towards one another. And oftentimes what breaks up and what interferes with our marriages is always outside forces. It's always outside forces. Or it's a previous pain that you never forgave. Or it's something that you refuse to talk about. When we do the marriage vows, people get married, we say, Dear beloved, we are gathered here in the company of this, you know, audience and God to bring forth together this man, this woman, in holy matrimony, uh, da, 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 da. And then it says, if any impediment is known, let it be said before this marriage. Meaning, if something happened in your life, you have a responsibility to openly and honestly confess that to the person you're about to marry. And then let them make a decision whether they're going to marry. You should not get married and find out that your mate got six kids somewhere. Am I preaching up in here one? Oh, baby, we on the honeymoon. Oh, baby, I forgot to tell you. (laughs) I forgot to tell you I'm an alcoholic. You, You know. No, you have a responsibility. And, and as part of this due benevolence, amen, agreement that the affections of a marriage, and we got some painful areas, man. We got some painful areas, all of us. When I wanted it and you didn't give it, I don't want it. So we got to work out a therapeutic solution for healing. Stuff is deep. See, a whole lot of couples got psychological problems with their history. And that history has not been resolved. So now, 10, 20 years later, you in the present tense trying to figure out what's wrong. There was something way back there that devastated that person and has not yet been resolved. And you and I got to be humble enough to say, listen, I may have, I probably did mess you up. I need to repent and I need to seek therapeutic counseling in this area. Boy, it is quiet up in here. 
affection. If you give more affection to anybody or anything other than your marriage, you're out of God's will. Even your kids. I know you don't want to hear that. Even your kids. Even your kids. There's nothing in the marriage union that says you ought to keep your kids between your husband and your wife. I left my wife in New Orleans with 16 kids and a can of beans. Sound off. Are you kidding me? You know why? Because your children have become your crutch. Not to deal with your mate. And God is saying, no, 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 this is backwards. They are leaving. They're going to leave. Finally, look at the authority of the marriage union. <sighs> Hang in there with me. I'm coming in for landing. Verse 4. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the authority belongs to the husband. And likewise also, the husband does not have power, authority of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one another. Except with a consent. You know what that scripture means? Even if it's prayer, Sister Gordon can say, has to say, baby, do I have your permission to break for prayer? No, we ain't praying tonight. I'm only, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. Because some foolish husband will go home tonight and say, you ain't praying. But, but look what the Bible says. Verse 5. Give yourselves the fasting and prayer and then come together immediately. Here it is. That Satan does not tempt you for your inconstancy. Now it means, here's what Satan is doing. Satan is sitting back, waiting, seeking, looking for a crevice to get in. He's right there. And, 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 and child of God, when we begin to look at this, these union wages, we don't hear enough sermons on marriage ministry, and God's will for the family. We really need to understand what the Word says about the family. Bring up your child the way they should go and when they get older they will not depart. And notice the symbolism of marriage as we close. The wedding is a ceremony of departure. Matthew 25, that the, the, the betrothed, the engaged husband, Leaves his wife, wife, leaves his future wife and say, make yourself ready. I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
And when I come back, I'm going to receive it to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. That's the word. And, 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 and child of God, the ring is the centerpiece of dedication. If you're married, you ought to wear a ring. With this ring, I promise I'll always men that don't wear rings. Why not? How many men are married here? Raise your hand. How many got rings on? Raise your hand. Where's the ring? Leave that one alone. Everybody in the pulpit got a ring on. celebrated delicacy. The groom is a careful deliverer. The marriage is a commitment of discipline. And the mystery is the divinity on earth. Jesus is in this mystery. The union will cause you some wages. This union will cause you some warfare. This union should end in worship. Can I get a witness? And I remember when Jesus gave this sermon he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And when I come back, I'm going to receive you to myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Can I get a witness? And he, he climbed the creaky hill of Calvary. He got up on the cross and died for our sins. Can I get a witness? He bled and died and they stuck a sword in his side and they put him in a barred tomb and for three days he was dead but early on Sunday morning he got up and can I get in witness he he got up with all power in his hand and Mary I saw him resurrection morning and she grabbed at his feet and he said Mary clutch me not for I have not yet ascended unto my father uh, do I have a witness? See, he's our great high priest. He had to take his own sacrifice to the altar of God and present it. Can I get a witness? And he took himself to the uh, throne of God and he showed the nail prints in his hands and in his feet. He showed the blood that ran down the cross and he said, Father, uh, I promise when I see the blood, I'll pass over. Can I get a witness? He died for our sins. He sacrificed. He was steadfast. He served. He submitted. He subjected. What a love like this. He gave his all that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Didn't he die? He died. He died. He died. But all he got up. Didn't he get up? Jesus got up with all power. All power, all power in his hands. And we have power. We have power to do right, power to live right, 
Power to walk right. Power to talk right. Power. Power. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Husbands, love your wives. Be tender, be kind-hearted, be affectionate, serve them as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit, subject yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. Let's stay on our feet this morning. As every head is bowed, your eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you want to be saved. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ. Just raise your hand. Is there one? He died for your sins. He was buried. He rose again. He wants to save you right now. Is there one? Just raise your hand. Come to Jesus. And he will change your situation. Is there one? Is there one? They just want to give their life to our Christ. We're waiting. Satan's a liar. He doesn't want you to come. He doesn't want you to be saved. Is there one? Is there one? Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, you're holding us to your word to be filled with your spirit, to sing within our hearts psalms, spiritual psalms, with joy, to thank you in everything, and then God, to be submitted one to another. Help us to get low, lower than the other person. Help us to move self out of the equation, and help us to steadfastly love one another as you have loved us. For love will cover a multitude of sins. We thank you for this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, union wages will cost you something. We love you. See you Wednesday. Have a great day.